Greetings and welcome to The Second Question, a podcast for educators and those who love education. I'm your host, Martin Silverman, a public school educator from beautiful San Antonio, Texas. Now, let's answer the second question. Welcome listeners to the this episode of The Second Question. I am on a roll with people from Britain, it seems like these days. Uh, my last guest, Dan Edwards from... Uh, northeast from the Midlands. Uh, and today I get to introduce you to my new friend Dave McPartland. Dave is a head teacher at Flake Fleet Primary in Fleetwood, England, which I believe Dave is in Northwest England, correct? Yeah, it's not too far from Blackpool, the Vegas of the North. The Vegas of the North. Um, and Dave, uh, you know, this is episode, this is going to be episode 39 of this podcast. And I believe you are my first Britain's Got Talent golden buzzer winner. Um, <laughs> I, I, I can't believe I've missed all the, all of the others, but, <laughs> but I have one now. Uh, and, um, Dave, I am just so excited that you were able to, and with your, if I, if I may, uh, with your recovering from. COVID and uh, feeling, you know, a little bit crummy. I appreciate you taking the time to be with me. Uh, it's okay, Martin. I'll be honest. I, I'm, I'm tired of isolating. This, you know, this is like a social life. This is brilliant. I, I'm, I'm loving the fact that I'm interacting with somebody across the pond. So I'm, I'm really excited to be on, to be honest. Well, I'm thrilled that you were able to do that. And Dave, I, I want to, you know, we'll talk about some of your uh, accomplishments at school, but um, one of the things that struck me the most was that your school was uh, selected as the happiest school in Britain. Is that correct? In, yeah, uh, that's 2018. Right, yeah. In 2018, what? Tell me what motivates you to become the head teacher at a school that can now be called the happiest in Britain. Um, oh, that's a big question. Um, I think part of it probably stems from my own experience of, of primary school. It was a little, a little bit bumpy, um, although I enjoyed going to school and I was very academic. Uh, my experience was probably not what I would have wanted it to be. Like, I've never really talked about this, to be totally honest, ever. Here you go. You got an exclusive, Martin. You got this. Um, I, I was bullied a bit as a child. Um, and I, I think part of it, I, I wanted to give children that experience that I didn't necessarily have. Um, I grew up in a big Catholic family, lots of nieces and nephews around. I just love spending time with children. I love reading with them, you know, doing stuff with them. I just love kids. And, and that, you know, that you, we, you know, we both know that feeling that when you help a child to achieve something, it's so rewarding, they get something out of it. And I just knew from a really early age that I wanted to be a teacher. And if I'm totally honest, even at 13, I knew I wanted to be a head teacher, you know, to have that responsibility and kind of do what you want with the skill. I guess as a child, I had the vision of, you know, a little bit of Willy Wonka and the chocolate factory start, you know, you know, school where you got all these funky daft things going on, but ultimately, the kids are really happy, having an amazing adventure, lots of experiences and memories. And and I guess on reflection, I, I'd like to think that we've done, you know, that's kind of kind of where we are now um, to a degree. Uh, Dave, you 
one of the things that your school is, and I'm going to say it's known for this because you use this motto frequently, and that is dare to dream. So you're, uh, so I'm going to call dare to dream your motto. And this led to your, you know, some, some, what some people would call um, wild high aspirations. You wanted to um, have your school win number one for Christmas one year. You tried out for Britain's Got Talent and got a golden buzzer. Um, how do you move from dreaming to action? That seems to be, you know, a lot of people dream and not very many make that next step. So how do you move from the dream to the reality? I think um, I kind of don't want to do down our achievements, but in many ways, it's really simple. It's breaking it down into the smallest possible steps. Um, and I actually think part of it is giving yourself permission to dream, giving yourself permission to to go for it um, and, 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 and kind of losing the filter of what people are going to think, whether you can afford it or not. You know, all the expectations that are placed on you, the, the fear of failure um, and, and it's just going for it. And it, it's about self-efficacy um, and, the, you know, the belief that if you set out to do something, you can do it. And the more I read about it, that it, it is contagious. You know, when you achieve something, it, it inspires other people to go, do you know what? We could do this. You know, for example, when we went for Britain's Got Talent or Christmas number one, we did enjoy a lot of success. We didn't win Britain's Got Talent. We didn't get number one, but we did achieve lots of things along the way. And what we found is a lot of parents suddenly started applying for jobs or taking on driving lessons. You know, if we can nearly win one of the biggest TV shows in the world, this little school from up north, then lots of other things seem a lot more attainable than some of the ridiculous things we've taken on, I guess. So a lot of the dreams that are that you're notable for are the big dreams. But what are some of the the little dreams that you're also working on? Well, I mean, around the time we did all of these things, we came up with a dreams list where we had 420 kids in school write the dream down. And we had this almighty dreams list up in the staff room. And we just tried to make as many of them come true as possible. We, we didn't get through all of them. Um, we, we tried. But, you know, some kids wanted to go skydiving. So we found some way where you could do this, you know, indoor thing where it blows you up. Um, not, not literally blows you up. Um, you know, some children wanted to feed the homeless. Some, some of the children just wanted to be a princess. So we let them be a princess for the day. And we had like a Disney experience. Um, and there's something really beautifully liberating about giving yourself permission just to have some fun, to, to make some experiences. Because for me, um, you know, it fosters that sense of belonging. You know, the more children enjoy coming to school, the, the more likely they are to, you know, to, to engage in the learning. The parents could see the lengths that we were going to to make these special things happen. So it was great for community engagement. It was just a really special time. Um, and we really went for it over that year. Um, you know, we just, we don't give ourselves permission to dream, do we? You know, we're so worried. Like I do all the time. I'm really active on Twitter and I still worry about putting something out there that people are going to go, you can't do that. Or, you know, you know, come on, stop being ridiculous. And, and my worry is I, I'm 43 now and I can feel over the last couple of years since Britain's Got Talent, I can feel that I'm just a bit more wary of going for things and, you know, feel a little bit more vulnerable, probably because of all that, if I'm honest. Um, so I kind of I've got to hang on to it and, and not, not, you know, not lose that that youthful exuberance that I've always had. Because um, I think, unfortunately, naturally, as we get older, we do seem to become a bit more prudent, a bit more risk averse. So kind of, I guess I've got to make an effort to, to not lose, 
you know, lose that side of my personality, I guess. Well, you know, uh, I'm reminded of a, I have a quote on a card outside my office door that says, nobody exceeds beyond their wildest dreams unless they begin with a wild dream. You know, I, I, I feel like you are, that's what you're describing to me is that, uh, in, you know, in order to make a dream a reality, you actually have to start out with a dream. So, so a lot of that is the inspiration of letting kids know what exists in the world. Like, how do you develop a dream if you don't even know what exists? So how do you, how do you, how do you expose kids to things so that they even know, you know, what to dream about? Do you know, that is an absolute brilliant question. So insightful because the reality is I grew up in Hartlepool. I don't think you got the, uh, you know, very working class town. I don't know if you got the whole class system in America quite as, you know, quite as, as, as clear as it is in, in the UK. Um, um, you know, very monocultural, um, not very diverse and things like that. And, and you, you kind of realize that there's something to knowing what's out there in the, the big wider world. I remember going off to university. It was very, very different to what I was used to. Very middle class. Lots of very affluent, you know, young people from affluent families, um, and and that kind of opened my eyes to to trying different foods and, and experiences. And I remember going off to watch the ballet, you know, just to see what it's like. Ballet, I loved. I tried opera. I hated it, um, but there was a lot to be said for just trying the things that are out there. Um, then, then you know, I got a taste for. I went traveling to South Africa. I've been over to New York. Um, I've been out to China, you know, I've been really lucky over the years to, to just take myself out of my comfort zone um, and just see a bit of the world out there. And, and I think what we're trying to do as a school, we've just bought two mini two new minibuses about a year ago, you know, just getting them out to Manchester, to Liverpool, to the Lake District, just showing them what's out there, you know, just just taking them to, to posh hotels, posh restaurants or street food, you know, just just anything just to get them out there it might be that that you know that one child goes to some music thing that we take them to and they think you know what? i want to be a musician or you know it's it's about setting you know lighting fires isn't it in, inspiring people and we're all inspired by different things so i i guess that that's why we try so hard to to give our children experience and when we go back to britain's got talent you know 50 children half of them on free school meals um we are in a tough area um, they got an all expenses paid trip to London, six nights, all expenses paid, mixing in the canteen with all the other acts and, you know, the other celebrities. And, you know, they had this most incredible adventure. Um, and, and you know, it's really easy to be bogged down in the, the reading, the writing, the maths and things like that, which is so important. We've got to get that right. But I think that all the other things can run absolutely at the same time and they both feed off one another and, and benefit one another when you put them together. You know, I, I want you to take me to those moments in London when you were in those six days. So I, this is what I'm imagining. You as the adult leader of that group, what, but no, I'm not going the direction you think I'm going. I want to know, like, when you looked at them, what what kind of of because I could see it in the performance that I was fortunate enough to stumble upon on YouTube one day, uh, which which is what led me to want to be connected with you. Um, what what 
is the feeling of watching the kids just experience something like that? Martin, um, I got goosebumps and I'm, I'm welling up a little bit, if I'm totally honest. Um, and I think the reality is, you know, we are, uh, we are in a disadvantaged area. There's no two ways about that. It doesn't define us. And, and I would just always, you know, and I guess, you know, any school shouldn't take on what we did. We were daft enough to go for it. We had this idea and we went for it. And I'll never forget, stood side stage. I don't know if you know Ant and Deck. I don't know whether Ant and Deck was big uh, in, in the US as they are in the UK. You know, in terms of TV celebrities, they don't really get any bigger. And, and I'm just stood. We hadn't even gone on the stage. We hadn't, you know, we were side stage, ready to go on. There was another act on. Ant and Deck are just talking to the kids. You know, they picked up, one, you know, one of the children. You know, they, they, they're having a laugh with them. And I just stepped back. And I just thought, you know, here are our children having this most, I mean, this is Manchester. This wasn't even London. This is the, the audition. And you literally, you could have taken me home then and we'd won. You know, they, they were just having this almighty, ridiculous experience, you know, that we we, we shouldn't be there. And, and then, then you go on stage and you've got these 1,500 people in the audience, you know, Simon Cowell and these incredibly famous, David Williams, one of the kids' favourite authors, and, and it was just, in, in many ways, I can't remember quite a lot of it because just that overwhelming sense of, oh my goodness, I didn't for one minute think we'd have this experience and look for our children, what will happen. And then then you skip forward at, you know, 30 seconds and the crowd are on the feet and the dancing and clapping. And, and you know, I, I was terrified and I'm thinking, this is going pretty well. And, and then there's a stand innovation at the end and everybody's crying. And, and literally, if you just stopped it all, then you know it, it, I, we'd won the World Cup. We, 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 you know, we it was everything all in one. And then the, we got the golden buzz, and the kids were just were all crying our eyes out because this doesn't happen to to schools. This doesn't happen to schools like ours, and that's how it felt. And it just felt like the biggest underdog story that you know that these. The, and I knew we were off to London, you know, on this most ridiculous adventure, and. I'll just never forget that, you know, the, the kids, they, they, they got off the bus, you know, the bus to going into it. You know, it was windy, it was rainy. We had we had council bins and we, we, we had, you know, we'd done everything ourselves. And you could see they were terrified going in. You know, they, they, they weren't very confident. You could see them looking at the other acts, the, the polished dancers and, and the, you know, you know, it's quite intimidating if I'm totally honest. And they walked out like champions they walked out you know people were literally applauding them they clapped us off on you know onto the bus and waved us as we were setting off and and it was just the most even now i don't know how it happened we had no idea um but it was just whatever these kids go through in life and, and the sad reality is someone will have a tough time they can always watch britain's got talent on youtube and think oh you know what i'm, I'm a golden buzzer there'll always be golden buzzers we'll have always had this this taste of you know th this experience that most people will never have and you know it's just the most incredible feeling um i'm not very articulate about it in a way because i just get so i still can't quite get my head around it all if i'm totally honest you know we all go into teaching to change lives make a difference you know you know give children experiences but i, I didn't for one minute think we'd we'd end up with this happening it was just it was it's beautiful it's amazing i still watch it all the time i still cry i literally cried then when you were talking about it he said it's an, it was an amazing experience. Well, you know, I've shared that video uh, countless times. And the reaction I always get is people crying because I was too when I watched it. It was, it was such a beautiful moment. And, you know, to me, that speaks to 
you know, you and I work in quite different places, right? But that essence is universal. There's no, you know, there's nothing uh, different at all about about the essence of watching you and also the kids uh, and that pride. So tell me, how do you, when you come back now and you come back to, to school, to Flake Fleet, and how do you take that, you know, lightning in a bottle? And how do you, how does that maintain, that feeling maintain when you're back home? I think, I think you're right, Death Dream has become our motto. We've actually re fairly recently changed our uniform. Um, it's got Dare to Dream on the, on the front. I want our children to see it all day, every day. And I think what's changed is we set out trying to raise excuse me, we set out trying to raise aspirations to, you know, to teach our children and our community that anything is possible when you dare to dream. And I didn't think it would take off like it did. But now, you know, when we're, we're talking about literally anything, and I really do mean anything, we know we can do it. We know that we will, we'll, you know, we'll come up with a plan. We'll, we'll talk about what will work. We'll also talk about what won't work, where it might go wrong, what the risks are and things like that. You know, so through COVID one, we've had to reinvent school overnight or, you know, last January, we made the difficult decision to, to not let the children come back because we, you know, we thought that the government were going to close us anyway. You know, you know, last week we needed to do some things at school that most people would have closed school to sort out. We know we can do it. We literally, we know we can do it. And, and I can't think of very many things. I can't think of anything in, in recent times that, you know, staff have got, we can't do that because we know we can. It's just become who we are you know it's not just that we had a royal wedding where we literally had kids flying around in a helicopter overhead and you know all sorts of crazy things happening you know over the years we know we can do it it's just it's just a belief and i think that's where sort of the the, the independent schools in you know the private schools in the uk do get it right the, the children the young people are just instilled with this confidence um it can you know gone too far it can be arrogant um you know you, you don't want to assume that you can achieve something but we've just got this thing now where you throw anything at us mate we're going to give it a go you know we we you know and, and we're not afraid to fail you know dare to dream absolutely runs in parallel with dare to fail you know you gotta you gotta take some risks you gotta accept that you won't always hit the target uh, and sometimes you might get a bit of grief along the way um but yeah i think it, it's just it has permeated i can never work anywhere else now you know we've got this beautiful thing going on. So I'm only, only 43, but I'm, I'm not going anywhere because I love it so much. You've spoiled yourself for yeah, sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, you know, I think people don't probably realize that you didn't just one day decide this and then walk on a stage. There was a lot of work that went into preparing for, you know, I'm, I'm going to use that as the example, but the Royal Wedding um, you're, you know, that isn't something you just decided on Monday and said, let's do this on Wednesday. You know, that there, there are even your, um, the, um, what was the video, the Vindaloo, the, the, you know, the, the video. Yeah. It's okay. I was, I, I thought they were brilliant, but, but that doesn't just happen. So no. tell me about the people that work with you that make these things happen. I think um, <laughs> it tends to be we said we'll be sat in the staff room. Uh, we'll be like, yeah, we, we'll talk about something. Then we'll come back to it a week or two later. And the best ones we come back to further down the line again. And it, it tends to be, you know, we, we've got so many staff that bring different things. You've got the staff who are a little bit like me, like, right, come on, let's give it a go. You know, and we'll add to it. 
And then you got the staff who go, oh, but we need to be careful about this and what about that? And and I think that that's the beauty of when you've got such a big school, you've got loads of different people that can can get involved in it. And I think all we've done over the years is, you know, where where the bar might have been, you know, at a four or five. Now it's like, right, we're going for an eight or a nine. We're always thinking, how can we make it even better? And I think one of the, the, the stumbling blocks used to be that we'd convince ourselves that we didn't have the time or the energy. And I think what we've all found is sometimes some of these daft things that we do, they energize us, they make us feel good. They, they, they help us get out of bed in the morning. Um, and I think it's so easy when you're in a stressful job, such as teaching, because I think it is a stressful job at times, you know, to say no to things. And and actually some of the, you know, like we, the, the videos that we have done, they, they, just, they just make us smile. I think it also, it shows our parents and community that we don't take ourselves too seriously. We're approachable. We're welcoming. You know, I, I think as a parent myself, that's what I want from my children's, you know, schools. Um, it just works on so many more levels than, you know, just attention seeking. Because I do worry about that. You know, I clearly love it. Um, you know, there's no doubt to that. But, I, you know, the intentions are just to, to make people smile, give people experience. You know, and the kids absolutely love going, you know, my kids love going on YouTube and watching watching themselves and the schoolmates on, on the television. It, you know, there's a lot more going to, there's a lot more method in the madness, I think. You know, Dave, you, um, in, in all of what we have spoken about so far in 21 minutes, uh, you have not talked about your school uh, and talked about reading and phonics and math and history and and all of those things that so many school administrators worry about uh you know content um worries and and i know that is something that is also important to you don't get me wrong so so you've chosen to improve your school because your school is well rated by your you know, national yeah, rating, yeah, right? Ofsted. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, but, but that's not what you lead with. You don't lead with uh, the phonics program or the, you know, what we do for math. Tell me about that. Tell me about how a school, because I think this is an important uh, lesson, maybe uh, just important uh, perspective for school leaders to know that there are two ways, uh, two ways, there are probably 2000 ways, but two ways to improve a school. So, so let's talk for a minute about uh, how academics, you know, are also still part of all of this. Yeah, I mean, I'm sitting here thinking, yeah, but we have to do that. You know, we, we, we literally, there are no two ways about it. We have to do that. So in many ways, I don't talk about it. I, you know, you, you send your child to school, you expect them to be able to read, read, write, add up and, and learn all the other things. Um, I, I, I've not been flippant. I, I literally, you know, that is our bread and butter. We, we have to get that right. But I guess at the same time, it's like as an adult, if you're not in a very good place, you're not going to be very good at, as good at your job. You're not, you're not going to be as good at anything. I, I don't think if you're not in the right headspace mentally, if you're not confident, resilient, ambitious, um, you know, all of those different things. And I think the things that we've done along the way, you know, the, the happier school side of things, we've got to get those building blocks, those foundations in place. Our children skip to, you know, we have music on each gate on a morning and the kids literally will dance into school, will high five the parents, you know, 
you know, it, it, it's about the culture that you create, you know, the, the, the children that we've got the relational approach to behavior going on in school where, you know, it's all about the relationships we have with each other, with, with the children, they, they like us, they respect us. And I guess the, the analogy, and I always worry that it doesn't sound right, but in a way, I often think about, I'm an uncle, and I'd like to think that I'm I'm a nice, kind uncle, you know, you, you're cool uncle. And, and I've always thought, well, if, you, if you're nice, kind, cool uncle tells you off, I'm going to be devastated because I know I've done something wrong because my nice, kind, cool uncle loves me. And, and, and that's kind of the culture that I think we're trying to create. So there's got to be boundaries, you know, and there is naturally a, a hierarchy and, and all that going on. But I think the things that we've done, if, you know, just put us in this really lovely headspace that is absolutely perfect for learning. You know, so, the, 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 you know, I've got to go back to the fact that they run absolutely in parallel because of the relationships we can do book monitoring, you know, we can do lesson observations because we've got that, you know, we've got the relationships in six years. We've had a couple of staff leave. Some of them wanted to come back. We've just got this lovely, happy place. But, but the challenge, I guess, is you can have people out there go, yeah, but do you actually do you challenge staff? Do you have difficult conversations? You know, what about with parents when you need to have a difficult conversation? They've seen you in sequent lycra with BGT on your backside. You know, how does that work? And the reality is because you've got the relationships, it's much, much easier. You know, I, everything can be done with kindness. But I think sometimes we're living, you know, that there's still an outdated idea of, of leadership and management that, you know, to be a good boss, you've got to be stern and hard-nosed. And that's rubbish. That's not what people want to work for in this day and age. And I don't think it works anymore. Um, so you've kind of, the teaching, we have to do it. We, we do do all of those things. But because of the conditions we create within school, it, it works. And we do a very good job of it, I think. Well, I mean, it's that's clear from all uh, data points. If you were to collect data points on your school, that is, it's clear that you're doing that that job. Dave, I want to shift the conversation a little bit to you. So uh, here's, you know, this is going to be the second question exclusive. Dave, what is something that you would like to do outside of education? What is something you like to do that you haven't done yet? Oh, what would I like to do that I haven't done yet? Are we talking like an experience or, you know, could be anything? It could be anything. Wow. Wow. Um, can we have like a real, you may have a really long pause and need to edit this down a little bit, Martin. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, wow. Wow. Sorry. You really have stumped me. Um, well, I'm honored because I bet that doesn't happen. <laughs> no, it doesn't. It doesn't. No, you're right. It doesn't happen very often. Not often. Do you know what? Do you, do you know what? I'm going to give you. I'm going to give you a genuine answer. I think it answers the question. Um, I think I've been really lucky um, to 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 have had experiences presenting for the BBC. Um, you know, pre presenting on children's TV. And that always, if I'm honest, that, that was something that I always wanted to do. And then I've ended up doing it by chance. I didn't apply for it. They, they contacted me after Britain's Got Talent. It was locked down. It was really fortuitous, dead lucky. And then I always would have said that, you know, that, that I'd love to do something like that. And I think I haven't had a taste of it. I love it. I love it. And I'd love to do loads more of it. But you realize the responsibility that comes with, you know, leading within a community or, you know, representing a community. I just kind of, I, I, I wish that somehow I could make a, a bigger difference addressing disadvantage 
And, you know, I've been really lucky that the experiences that I've had and the opportunities that have been presented to me. And I just wish I could extend that to, to my community and further afield and, you know, just change the world a little bit in my own little way. Um, I don't even know that if, if that answers your question, but just you realise that life isn't fair. You know, you, you, where you're born, what you're born into, what money you have, um, you know, you know some things that happen on you. And I, I just wish I could offer the other people the opportunities that I've had. I, I don't know. I don't think that's a very good answer, Martin. I'm, I'm sweating. I'm literally, I'm, I'm perspiring here uh, all the way in cold, the cold UK. Um, I don't know. I'd love to go in a hot air balloon. You can have a nice, easy one. <laughs> well, I'm going to make this, I'm going to make it a lot easier for you because I'm going to bring you to, to uh, you relating an experience. And that is this. So uh, as I was telling you before we started recording, the stated purpose and premise of this podcast is to honor the teachers that have had an influence on us uh, as we became, you know, adults and eventually educators. And so, the second question of every teacher interview that I uh, that I, you know, that I do, the second question is, who is the best teacher you ever had, and why were they the best? So, Dave McPartland, who is the best teacher you ever had, and why were they the best? Uh, my best ever teacher was a guy called Mr. Early, Vin, Vin Early, Vincent Early, uh, and he sadly passed away last week or the week before. Um, and he taught me English at GCSE and A-level and is a, a, a 14, 15, 16-year-old young lad uh, who hadn't seen much of the world. He just challenged my thinking and he pushed me out of my comfort zone. Um, you know, probably not very proud of some of the views that I had, very blinkered and, you know, naive and, you know, and, and I just, I, I really love the man for, you know, making me read poetry, making me watch films, um, you know, just try food, just experience the world that's out there. And, and until he taught me, I didn't realize how important that was. And I didn't realize that how I thought about things, I thought how I thought about things was perfect. You tend to when you're a young lad, when you're 15, 16. And, and he just, he really pushed me out of my comfort zone. I remember thinking, oh, I don't like this. This is rubbish. And, and I just, he, he taught me to try things and, and I'll always appreciate that. And I'll, I'll always remember that because that, that's what I think, you know, I know it's not in any curriculum, but I think it is, you know, it is up to teachers to, to inspire and, and to en encourage, you know, the children that, to, to think differently. And he did that. Um, and, and I'll always, always be very, very grateful for that. That was a much, you didn't have to sweat for that no i was straight in there i'm conscious you might want to ask this question and edit, edit it back i i don't know what i want today i'm, st I'm still now thinking <laughs> I've, I've been really lucky you know i've had loads of amazing things happen in my life you know i've been on the great wall of china i've done bungee jumping skydiving you know i've said yes to life and 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 i guess i'm just at that point where i i, I really genuinely want to just do even more meaningful things with my life. But there's something really wholesome about our job. It's stressful as hell at times, isn't it? You know, I worry like most people at Offset, you know, in the UK, that, that's who regulate us, like, look at watch what we're doing. Um, yeah, it, it just made me really think in a, in a way that I've not had to do uh, for a while. So thanks for that, Martin. Well, well, I'm glad to have had a part of, of that. Um, and I think I may have caught you at a weak moment, you know, just recovering from, from illness. So, so I think I had the advantage uh, there. <laughs> uh, Dave, I want to thank you uh, from 
just the bottom of my heart for taking the time for uh, enthusiastically agreeing to uh, spend uh, some of your precious time here with me on the second question. It's been just a pleasure and a delight to get to know you. I'm looking forward to uh, the listeners getting to hear you as well. And uh, again, thank you so much. No worries. Thank you so much for having me. And that's it for today's episode of The Second Question. Thanks for joining us. If you like this podcast, subscribe and tell your friends. And don't forget to join us for the next episode where we will answer the second question. Thank you.